Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? That's the famous line of Charlie Brown. And uh, he shouts that out as they're getting ready for their Christmas play. And uh, I want to tell you that that leads to my favorite scene from any Christmas movie ever. Linus steps center stage. He calls for lights. And then he recites Luke 2, 8 through 14. And there were, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Then Linus slowly walks back to Charlie Brown, and he says, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Listen, there may be better Christmas movies out there, but I sincerely doubt there is a better Christmas message than that. Because when Linus steps to the center of the stage and he quotes Luke 2, 8 through 14, he's not just telling Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about, he's actually teaching all of us what the gospel is all about. So this morning, I have a very simple message for you this Christmas Eve as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior And the title of this message simply is The Gospel of Christmas. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, um, we come before you saying um, we are those people that we read about in this Bible. We are those wayward people that we get frustrated with, that have everything that they could ever want and they still wander from your provision. We are those stiff-necked people that have seen you work time and time and time and time again, and yet we still try to do things our own way first. We are these people, and we, like these people, need a Savior. So, Holy Spirit, we want to invite you now to come and to take your place in our church as its teacher and its guide. We want to ask that you would exalt Jesus, that you would lift him up and paint such a clear picture of him that he would draw all of us closer to himself, that we might be transformed into his very image and likeness, that when we walk through these doors, heading out our separate ways, people might just see a bit more of Christ in us. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, guys, I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start reading um, from... Verse 1, and we're going to read all the way through 14. This is uh, my favorite Christmas text here in Luke chapter 2. And so uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. Yes, you can use your phones. That's totally fine. You can click to it if you like. I'm in Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading out of the NIV starting in verse 1. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That's scandalous, folks, right there. She's already pregnant. They're not even married yet. It says in verse 6, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, capital S, has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I believe this passage teaches us four things. Here's the first thing I want you to see, guys. Is that in a world gone bad, we have good news to proclaim. It's the first truth of this text. In a world gone bad, we have good news to proclaim. Now, now listen, we've only made it through uh, the 14-week uh, of this journey called the story. We haven't made it past chapter 14 yet, but we've already seen great sin and suffering. We've seen men fall, kings fail, and, and it's no different when Jesus is born. There's a guy that is reigning named Herod, and he is terrible. Herod is so worried about keeping control of his kingdom that he is willing to kill his own children, that they, they, they not be his successors. Herod is a horrible king. And Jesus is born into this time and into this place. And and God makes this great birth announcement. And and where does he do it? And who does he do it to? And says, there are in the fields nearby. In the King James Version, it says in the same country. It literally means in the space between. This is right on the outskirts of Bethlehem. You You couldn't walk out of this portion of the town without walking through this field. Just right there in the space in between, there are shepherds keeping watch over their flocks at night. Then out of nowhere, an angel of the Lord appears. And the glory of the Lord shines around him. And, and he says, hold on, don't be afraid. Now, now, if you can imagine the brightest light that you could fathom on the darkest night you'd ever experience, you're going to get a glimpse of what happens to the shepherds. It's kind of like those poor folks in Los Angeles that thought a UFO had arrived when SpaceX launched the rocket into the sky. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's a UFO! And they're freaking out, right? And, and no, it's a rocket. We go to space, remember? And, uh, and, 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 and in that night, here the shepherds are there, and you can imagine an angel of the Lord shows up, and the glory of God is, is shining forth and surrounding the angel, and, and they have the right to be freaking out, and so the angel says, don't freak out, don't, don't be afraid, and then he says this in verse 10, right? For I bring you good news 
that will cause great joy for all of the people. I want to break down that first sentence after he says, don't be scared. The angel says, for I bring you good news. That, that, those words in Greek actually translate to one word. It's our word for evangelism. The angel actually shows up and says, I'm going to preach the gospel to you. That's what he said. The, he, the, the word evangelism, it means to, to preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. This is what glad tidings are about. So the angel shows up and says, this is the gospel. And then he says, there's great joy for all people. The word great in Greek is also interesting. It's the word megas, right? Um, some of you tomorrow morning are going to have the blessed assurance of getting to help your children assemble a thousand piece Lego set. And your children are going to be so excited about that thousand piece Lego set that despite all of your warnings, they're going to rip open the bag holding all of the Legos, preparing, and the Legos will launch everywhere. And no doubt, some engineer at Lego knew that we needed a little piece that only had two dots on it. Uh, and you're going to lose that piece. And you will spend the rest, I mean, a good portion of your day tomorrow is going to be searching carpet. And, and I just want to save you time. Don't. Don't, don't get on your hands and knees and look. Just take off your shoes and walk. <laughs> You'll find it faster than you could ever imagine. And, um, and uh, so, so you're going to have this tiny little bit. And we're not talking about a tiny little bit of joy. The angel doesn't show up and say, I'm going to give you my cross joy. It's not what he says. And it's not even for those of you who had the younger kids, God bless you. You don't have to do the thousand piece Legos. You just have the Duplo set, right? These are my favorite Legos because if you step on them, they don't kill you, right? It doesn't hurt as bad. They're not as sharp. They're all kind of soft and textured. And it usually makes some kind of seahorse on a string. That, and then you transform the seahorse into a boat or whatever. And it's, it's Duplo. And, 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 and the angel doesn't show up and say, that's the size of joy that I have for you either. No, see, there's one more size of Legos they make. It's called the Mega blocks, right? And this is the kind of joy that God is talking about. He said it's not some little tiny itty little bit of joy and it's not some kind of medium sized package of joy. It's the biggest size of joy that could ever be manufactured. That's the joy I have to announce to you. And so this gospel is, is, is of megas joy and then it's for all people. The word in Greek is pos. It means for each, for every, for any can, for anyone. It's for all people, really. And so the Angel of the Lord shows up, glory of the Lord shining around him, says, don't freak out. I know you want to, but don't do it, all right? Because, behold, I proclaim the gospel to you of, of, of great joy that is for everyone. Amen. And that's where it begins. In a dark world, ruled by a treacherous king, treacherous king, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, you don't have to be afraid about the government that rules over you. To a group of guys that have a hard life, they don't have all the money in the world like other people. Their life is difficult. The angel of the Lord and shows up and says, I've got a reason for you to be full of joy. 
to a world that has been waiting, to a world that has been affected by sin and, and suffering, to a world that, as, uh, as we've studied up to this point, we're only 14 weeks into this story thing we've been doing, and we've already seen all the sin and all the suffering and all the pain and all the agony. And to that people, to, to this world at this time, this world that is definitely not as it, it should be, this world that has definitely, we have seen, has fallen short of the glory of God, which God created it to be, Right? God shows up and says, I've got good news of great joy. It'll be for all people. And we need to see ourselves in the story. See, the, the world is not the only thing that has fallen, friends. We know that this is our story too. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it goes on and says, and the wages of that sin is death. That's not good news. That's bad news. And to a world gone bad, to a world that is, is facing great sin and suffering, they're dealing with the consequence of that sin, God shows up and says, in the middle of all this badness, boy, do I have some good news for you to proclaim. That's the glory of Christmas. That's where it begins, right? And so we start here. In a world gone bad, we have good news to proclaim. What is that good news? Ready? This is the good news about the Savior. It's in verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Here's the good news. Point two. This Savior that we speak of is God himself. God has come to save us. God has come to save us. This is really important. We learned back with Abraham that God would provide a substitute. We studied the life of, of Moses and the exodus of Egypt, and we said that, 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 that a perfect lamb was coming whose blood would be shed to cover our lives so that sin would pass us over. But, but, but who is this someone? Yes, he'll be a descendant of David. Yes, he'll be from the tribe of Judah. We, we know those things. We've been taking notes along the way. But how can any one man deliver all men from the power of sin and death? That's a question we have to ask. If you don't ask that question in your life, then, then I, I, I fear you'll never know your need for the cross. How can any one man deliver all men from the power of sin and death? And the answer is right here in verse 11, right? Right here in verse 11. For he is Christ the Lord. For he is Christ, this one man that has come, this one man that has come to bring us back to God, his, his name is Christ the Lord. The word Christ means anointed son of God. This one that's born, this one that is laying in the manger that the angels have come to see, is, is literally the Son of God. But He's not just the Son of God, He's also Lord. That, 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 that is a title for God. It means God. It means the one that we belong to. You see, here's the truth. The solution to our sin problem, the one that will bring us back to God, is going to both be the Son of God and God Himself. He would have to be both God and man completely in order to do this great task of bringing us back to God. So this baby in a manger is actually a baby, believe it or not. He's really going to hurt and he's really going to be hungry and he's really going to cry and he really is going to bleed. He's really going to suffer. He's really going to face trials of many kinds. He's going he's to experience every hardship in life that you and I experience. He's really going to do that, but he's also really God. And here's why he has to be both. You see, if he was just God... He could never identify with us. If he was just God and, and he never had to deal with temptation, he, he never understood uh, the, the, the draw of, of sin, the desire to, to wander. The Bible says that we have a high priest that experienced every temptation we've experienced, yet he's without sin, right? 
And I want you to see this. If Jesus had never experienced suffering, he could never identify with us and we'd never be drawn to him. I love what John Stott says, the great preacher and commentator. He said, in a world filled with suffering and pain, I could not fathom worshiping a God who is immune to it. That's what it would mean. If, 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 if God had just come to die in your place, if he was not born in the flesh, if he was not truly man, then he would be immune to your agony and to your hurt. Doesn't that change the way you pray? You're praying to God that doesn't understand how, how tough life can be. Boy, that radically affects our prayer life, doesn't it? But that's not our God. Our God isn't an up there God. He's a come down here, camp at the center of our lives God. That's who our God is. And so Jesus comes down in the flesh and he experienced all of the trials and all of the heart. Do I get anybody here this morning that's going through a little bit of a rough patch? Amen. Anybody else? Just a few, just a, just a handful down here. Uh, you guys didn't wake up yet. It's 11 o'clock, all right? This is how we normally preach at the 830 service. You guys aren't used to this, all right? So how, anybody going through some hardship this year? Anybody ready for 2018? Say, calendar pass, please, Lord. Please. I've got good news for you. Your God understands. Your God understands. When you look at the manger and you see this beautiful baby, understand that that beautiful baby went through every hardship in life that you've endured. Yet he was without sin. And so, so the Savior, the one that's going to draw us back to God, has to both be the Son of God, he has to be man, but he also has to be God. Why does he have to be God? Why does he have to be God? Because if he's just man, his sacrifice can't cover our sins. And so he is the perfect sacrifice to bring us back to God. Brings us the third point, all right? Jesus is our perfect sacrifice for sins. He's our perfect sacrifice for sins. Now, some scholars say there is something significant here that we often overlook. Um, and it has to do with the location that these shepherds are in. Um, traditionally, during this season, the shepherds uh, would not have kept their sheep anywhere near the city. In fact, it's led some people to declare that Jesus wasn't born this time of year. They're like, oh, it must have been out in May. That's the only time the shepherds are out in their flock. But it's interesting, uh, Jewish historians would tell us that there was a special flock that was always kept in town. They were called the Tower Flock. See, there was a place called Migdal Eder. It was literally the Tower of Eder. It is the place that Jacob had his beloved wife, Rachel, buried the Tower of Eder, and this was a very special flock that never went or wandered far from the town of Bethlehem because these sheep were destined for one purpose, temple sacrifice. And see, there are many scholars that believe that this is the group of shepherds that the angels appear to. That they appear to the group of shepherds that are only looking over the sheep that are determined to be sacrificed. And again, they see God foreshadowing where this story is headed. That Jesus indeed will be our perfect Passover lamb. Micah 4.8 mentions that uh, the Messiah will be revealed from this tower flock. So his birth announcement is a foreshadowing that he'll be our substitute. This provision of God for our salvation. His blood will be shed as a payment for our sins. And it should make us say, wow, God. What kind of love is this? A God that loves us so much that he gives his one and only son 
that whoever believes in him will not perish but experience eternal life. What a gift, right? What a gift. Which just leads to kind of our, our, our last point, right? When we hear such a message, uh, anytime the word of God is proclaimed, it demands a response. So what should our response be? That's the last point I have for you. Ready? The gospel of Christmas, the gift of God in Jesus Christ, his one and only begotten son, should result in great rejoicing. The gospel of Christmas should result in great uh, rejoicing, right? So what, what should our response be? Here we go. Look at verse 13 and 14 with me. Let's look at the angels first. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. So the, the angel of the Lord shows up. He says, I've got, I've got good news. I'm proclaiming the gospel to you. It's megas joy. It's for all. It's for past people, each, every, everyone. And, and, and then after he says that, after he proclaims the gospel, that, that this Savior has been born, all these angels, like a heavenly host, this whole group of angels show up. They appear out of nowhere, and they, they, they began, I don't know, singing, screaming, angelic. What's an angelic scream like, I wonder? I've never heard one of those. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is such a big deal that the angels themselves can't keep quiet. They've got to come out of heaven to humanity and proclaim the goodness of God. And, and they're not the only ones that, that, that are proclaimers on this day. Look at what happens to, to the shepherds, right, in verse 17 and 18. So it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying him. And praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Only natural response to this kind of great news, right, is great rejoicing. Megas rejoicing. So what should our response be? How, how, how do we do that? Okay? I'm going to tell you, rejoicing begins with gratitude. You might want to write that down. That's really important. You can't rejoice unless you're grateful. All true rejoicing begins with an understanding that you don't deserve what you've received. Like, like, like it all is birthed out of a place of gratitude. And, and, and so true rejoicing begins with a grateful heart, right? A grateful heart. That means an understanding of who you are and what God has done on your behalf. So, so it begins with a heart that is, that is grateful to God for all that He has done, that he, is, he has brought a solution to our sin problem, that, that a Savior has come to bring us back to God. So we're grateful for that. But we can't just say thanks. We also at some point have to receive that gift. We had an outreach here Wednesday night for um, our folks at the food pantry. Our food pantry serves about 900 individuals uh, a month. And so we had uh, 86 families come, and uh, we, we, we handed out. Um, we, our goal was 75. You guys gave way above 75. So we had all these people come. We got to sing Christmas carols, and we got to share with them about the great gift of God and that a gift has to be received if it's going to be yours. And I just made the point. I said, listen, if I bought you the greatest gift ever, and, and if I, I, I had a guy show up at your door, a delivery man, he said, hey, I've got this gift for you, right? And, I mean, it's been bought for you. It's paid for. You don't owe anything. They're, oh, I don't owe anything. You don't owe anything for this. I said, is it yours? And they said, well, no, not yet. What do you have to do? You've got to sign for it. You've got to receive it, right? 
Uh, let me ask this question. It's Christmas, and some of you are about to give a bad gift, so I want to stop you. It's not too late to shop, okay? So let me, let me ask, have, have any of you ever caught somebody that you gave a gift to either returning it or sticking it in a closet somewhere? Come on. Come on. You've caught somebody. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's on you and them, by the way. That's not, it's not just, no. That's hurtful, right? I mean, if you spend a lot of time thinking about what somebody needs, and then, and then, I mean, you put a lot of thought in that gift, and you give it to them, and then they put it on a closet shelf and never look at it, and they're going to give it away for white elephant next year. That's not good, right? That's, that's kind of hurtful. We'd be upset. Uh, we, we like to watch, um, when the kids go to bed, uh, we're big, everybody loves Raymond fans. Have you watched this show, right? So there's one episode in particular that they're down in the basement and there is a tarp over a big pile of stuff and, and uh, mom lifts up the tarp and under there is like every gift that Ray has ever given his mom. I mean, everything from microwaves to DVD players, everything, and it's just all right there in the box. And he's, of course, he's very hurt by it, right? It's upsetting. I wonder how God feels a God who is gone, he's, he's spared no expense to provide for all people. Good news for all people. A God who has provided for all people the greatest gift there could ever be. He's provided a way for them to come back to him. And they just cover it up with a tarp. And they just act like it's not that important. They exchange it even for overtime, and for a bigger 401k, and for a bigger house, and for a thing that we have called success here in our society. I just wonder how the Lord of heaven and earth must feel with how we respond to the gift of Christmas. See, our response should be a grateful heart and complete acceptance of this beautiful gift in Jesus Christ. All right? I want to tell you what happens if we do that. It's pretty cool. Look at Luke 15, 10 with me on the screen. Anyone that does that, by the way, anyone that says, God, I, I, I accept this gift. I, I need this Jesus. Uh, look, look what the Bible says. It says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over every one sinner that repents. I know we sing the song all the time. We're going to sing it tonight. We're going to light candles and sing it. it. It's like we sing it. But I actually don't think it was that silent of a night. Megas rejoicing. Megas rejoicing, okay? A couple things for you to pack up and take home. Our application this morning. Just two things for you and we'll be done. Number one, remember the true meaning of Christmas. All right? Man, it is easy to get caught up, isn't it? Gosh! Hallmark sucks you in, doesn't it? Sucks you in. Hallmark says Christmas is all about silly love stories. It does. ABC says it's all about Santa, right? Everybody out there, the stores tell you it's all about your presence. You Got to get the right gift. No, it's not about gifts. It's about the gift of God. It's all about Jesus. Um, we went to uh, Lights of Tejas last night. It was really cool. They have a little workshop, a little wood workshop. And uh, the kids actually, like, Faith went in, and she actually got to build a manger, like, with, like, real wood and hammer and nails. It's in the back of our car still, I think. And I, I just thought, you know, I'm lugging this thing around because they couldn't have put the wood shop further away from parking. Um, 
So we walked all the way through. I mean, it was like on the backside, and they just carrying the manger around. And uh, in the midst of my complaint, I, I looked down and saw what I was carrying, and I thought, oh, Lord, sorry. This is what Christmas is really all about. The lights and the presents are nice. The food is good. It's good. It's not what it's about. So I want to challenge you tomorrow morning. I don't know what your family traditions are. I think we all have different things. Um, We don't let our kids open presents without reading uh, Luke chapter 2. We just don't do it. Um, We don't don't do it without um, talking about Jesus. We even, you know, for us, breakfast tomorrow is birthday cake. So we we have birthday cake. And there's no better way to start your morning than with birthday cake. And uh, so... Come on, don't laugh at me. You guys eat pancakes. That's just birthday cake that's fried, okay? Come on. Yeah, and yeah, and, and you, and you make, but yeah, but it doesn't have that, uh, fraud. Well, uh-huh, have you seen the butter? I've seen your syrup. Lake of syrup on your pancakes. It's no different. Birthday cake in the morning. So we're going to have birthday cake. We're going to tell Jesus happy birthday. We're going to read the Christmas story. And then after that, at some point, we will open gifts because we're celebrating the gift that was given to us in Jesus Christ, okay? So remember what Christmas is all about. Number two, uh, just anyone that hasn't, guys, we're in a room this size. I never take for granted um, an opportunity. Dwight L. Moody Moody one time was preaching a revival, and he delivered the gospel, and uh, he was in Chicago. He delivered the gospel, and he decided he wasn't going to ask for a response that night, that he would allow them to go home and think about it, because it was such a big decision, and then he would deliver the gospel. Uh, he, would, he would have a response, a time of response invitation the next night. Uh, that night, the Chicago fires broke out. Lots of people never made it, right? It's a, it's a humbling thought. And so and what we just believe here is that God is big enough, and, and maybe you're here, and you're here with a family member because they asked you to come to church on Christmas Eve. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. But if you're here and you've never actually received the gift of God, if you're here and you've never accepted Christ, it's not as hard or complicated as you think. It's really simple. It's understanding that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's understanding that we can't fix our broken self. We've tried it a hundred times, right? How many people have tried at least five different diets at some point in their life? Amen? Right? And, they, and I still eat donuts, man. I'm just going to be honest with you, right? They're not good for you. Don't eat I, That's fine. I know they're not good for me, but they taste amazing. Give me some pie. Um, after the holidays, I'm going to get real. There's nothing you can do on your own or by yourself to fix yourself. There's just no way to do it. And so we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of that sin is death. That just means eternal separation from God. It doesn't mean the next lie, you're going to fall over and die, although it could happen. Ananias and Sapphira. Psh. But really what it means is that if you were to die in the state that you are, you'd be eternally separated from God. If you're separated from God, you're separated from his life. His life is eternal. His life is good. It's better than good. It's full of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. It is a life overflowing, the Bible says, of good things. If that kind of life speaks to you, I would just say to you this morning, all you have to do is receive the gift of Jesus. And we do that in a simple way around here. There's nothing magic about the prayer. Uh, but it, we, we just ask him to, to come into our lives and take control. And so I'm going to ask you where you are. If you don't mind, would you bow your head just uh, right where you are this morning? Um, and I, just if you're here with us this morning and you've never, um, asked, uh, you've never asked Christ to come into your life, if you've never accepted the gift of God and Jesus, um, I want you to know that you can do that. 
um, with a simple request, okay? And so just from your hearts right now, if you just join me in this prayer, uh, dear God, I get it. I've really messed up. And you are so good, and you are so perfect, and I know in my heart I don't deserve you. But then I hear about Jesus. What good news is this? That you have sent someone to die in my place. That you have sent someone to live the perfect life that I couldn't. How can I say anything else but yes? Jesus, would you please come into my life right now? I give you control. I give you control. Just take all of me. Here I am. I'm a mess. I'm full of junk. I'm full of hurt. I'm full of scars. I'm full of anger. I'm full of bitterness. I'm full of regret. But today, here and now, I empty myself of all of that. And I just ask you to come and just take whatever's left. (laughs) Take this wreck and make it yours. Please, Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. And you're not going to find that prayer on the back of a Lifeway book. It's, It's not a formula. But if it was sincere, the Bible says that God has answered your prayer. That he has. All right? And it's just that you now have become a child of God and you're going to experience the life of God. I can't think of any better news than that. Can't think of any better news than that. Yet there is still one thing for the rest of us. For those of you that are already Christians, I'm just going to say to you this, ready? Okay? It's time for us to go and to share the good news. Just like the shepherds. It's time for us, like the angels, to step out of our comfort zones and to step in to some people's lives and to boast of the goodness of God. All right? And so I I don't know where you're headed, but I know you're going somewhere, most of you. You're going to a family dinner. You're going to go see some in-laws. You're headed someplace that's uncomfortable. Would you bring Jesus with you? Would you bring the good news with you? Greet people with a holy kiss. Man, I'm so glad that we are celebrating the birth of Jesus together. I can't think of anybody I'd rather spend it with than you. Share the story before you open the presents. Hey, listen, I know this is our third Christmas already. But before, could we read Luke chapter 2 together? Could we center our hearts around what it's really all about? All right? I love you and appreciate you. I pray that you have a blessed Christmas that is focused on the reason, and his name is Jesus Christ.